I asked our guest, Adam Hutchison, to pound the table for someone. Adam, who you pounded the table for? It's got to be uh, Denver Broncos rookie Marvin Mims Jr. Uh, I really like where he landed, even though the passing room seems like it might be muddled. But um, he was Sean Payton's first choice. I was really uh, excited about his college profile. I think he's going to have a big rookie season. So we're going with Marvin Mims Jr. I love it. I love it. That's the first Marvin Mims Jr. pound the table we've had this offseason. I love it. Go. Uh, so listeners, listen to Adam. You heard it here first. Go get you some Marvin Mims. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Most Accurate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me is my excellent co-host, the marvelous Jen Akins. Jen, how's it going, buddy? It's going. It's going. Um, it's been a day, but I am excited to be here with you guys, uh, talk some some injury stuff. Uh, I, on the other hand, Adam, am a Tim Patrick person, so uh, I found it interesting that you came in with Mims because uh, I'm, a, I'm a Tim Patrick lady. There's, they, you know, there might be enough targets to go around. They can both share. <laughs> I mean, sure. if, yeah, that's a big <laughs> if, if, if the offense is uh, efficient in any way, shape or form, if not, then we're all screwed. Yes. Yeah. The podcast, right. yeah, the podcast survived my Tim Patrick hate a week ago. So uh, we're still here. We're still here, which is a good thing. I was concerned that that might be end of this pairing, Jen. I was concerned. <laughs> Brandon, how are you this evening? I'm doing good. I'm actually on vacation. So I'm on location in a different place with a different room and different surroundings. Uh, the same tiny screams in the background, but uh, in a different location. So, uh, But I'm having fun. I'm having a good time. Uh, this week, we're excited to be joined by 444's resident physical therapist and injury expert, Adam Hutchison. Uh, you can and should definitely follow Adam on Twitter at TheRealAdam underscore H. Read his stuff at 444.com. Uh, honestly, Adam is one of uh, my favorite follows on Twitter and one of the most useful follows on Twitter. He's got a regular article during the season, and it's the best way to keep track of anything that's happening injury-related throughout the year. Adam Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to see you again. How you doing? Appreciate it. Yeah, I always enjoy uh, coming on the show with you guys, and I, I appreciate the kind words there, Brandon. Um, my life's been good. It's just, you know, it, it's been a little chaotic. Uh, for those people that don't know, my, my wife's expecting, so we're pretty much on baby watch. Um, earlier this year, I moved from Florida back to the Chicagoland area, which is where I'm originally from. So doing a lot of remodeling and house, house projects, which is why this room is such an odd color because i'm pretty sure a teenage girl lived in this room at some point this is not this was not my choice but you know this is the office i got relegated to and we're gonna we're, we're working through it so that that's why uh if you're if you're wondering this is not my favorite color um this is just <laughs> this is just what we're dealing with right now i love it i love it and i'm sorry uh, Hello to Jay Lizard for joining us. Hello to Jamie Perogue uh, for joining us. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, loves Adam as well. Is happy to see us. Uh, Adam, I, I got to ask you because you're a, you're a Purdue guy. So um, I, I got to ask you what you think of Rondale Moore because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's Rondale Moore and he's coming in and DeAndre Hopkins is now in Tennessee. So I, I got to ask you what you think of Rondale Moore going into this uh, this new year for him. Yeah, I mean it's it's been tough uh, for somebody that was carrying the banner for Rondell Moore for for as long as I have. Um, I you know I honestly don't know what, what to expect. He's definitely somebody that you have to manufacture touches for, and and I love that video that um, with the new head coach Gannon where they showed that video of talking to Rondell Moore. And he's like pew 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 big offensive plays. It's if they have an idea of of, of how they want to use them. Um, I think I think that's awesome, but uh, certainly need to to manage expectations. You know, as a Purdue guy, the nice thing is is every year there's a there's a new Purdue wide receiver that comes in the NFL. Last year it was David Bell. That didn't really work out. So this year we're on Charlie Jones. Charlie Excellent. Jones is 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 the future. This the, what we're we're excited for this year. I like it. I like it. Let's move for <laughs> Charlie Jones. Absolutely. I, I also want to ask you a question. Uh, we're going to talk all things injuries around the NFL, but I wanted to ask you, how'd you get started in the fantasy football realm? Cause I know you're a physical therapist and that's your bread and butter. Uh, how did you get into this crazy, awesome world that Jen and I live in day to day? For sure. I mean, I, I think, um, and I don't, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I think like all of us, this is a really fun hobby and, and we enjoy doing it. And, um, 
inevitably when the off season comes around, we're looking for more fantasy football things to do. And that's kind of devolves into creating content. So I actually started at a, a smaller website, but uh, people I'm really close with even today, um, the fantasy champions, they just kind of gave me a shot, just writing general fantasy football content, start sits. Um, and then I kind of developed this niche of injury related content because it's pretty much what I do during my day job all day as a physical therapist. And that spun off into to new opportunities with the undroppables. And then eventually um, someone at four for four was nice enough to reach out for to me and asked if I would like to create content. And that's where we're at today. So, you know, it just started as a hobby. It still is a, a really fun hobby. I enjoy talking with with all of you guys and uh, everyone at four for four. And, you know, it's nice to see um, our brand grow and develop and all the uh, interesting and fun things that we, we put out there as a, as a website. And um, it did, you know, it wasn't overnight, just kind of one of those things that kept snowballing into more and more opportunities. And that's, that's why I'm here now. That's awesome. Well, we're psyched to have you. And uh, the Undroppables is a great group as well. So enjoy that stuff. Uh, absolutely. Let's dig into some of these players that are uh, coming off injuries. I always like to check with you before I dig into my rankings and uh, my drafts and everything that I'm going to do for the upcoming season. I'd like to check in with you and see what you have to say about the players coming off injuries and who were kind of, uh, you know, hobbled a little bit last year. I want to start with Jimmy G because I feel like those are the most question marks. Jimmy Garoppolo coming over to the Raiders uh, had that surgery uh, in the offseason. We don't really know what his status is. Uh, what's your read on Jimmy Garoppolo as we look into this Raiders season? For sure. And it, this, is, this is a good one to start off with because this is a really complicated one. And I think the reason there are a lot of question marks out there is because we just haven't gotten a lot of clear information. So I tried to you know, dive into this a little bit and weed out the, the relevant content and figure out, you know, what fantasy managers should, should expect for the Raiders offense or specifically Jimmy Garoppolo. So he had a foot injury early, late in the season with the 49ers. And they, they came out and said that it wasn't a Liz Frank related injury. They were actually going to put him on IR with their hopes to get him back for, for the playoffs. But then in the meantime, Brock Purdy took off and we saw what happened with that. Um, so, that was either someone was on wasn't in the 49ers organization wasn't being um tr wasn't telling the truth or it was just misdiagnosed because something got missed along that and eventually Jimmy Garoppolo actually was diagnosed with a Liz Frank injury and it was a Liz Frank there's there's multiple variants of it I'm not going to bore you guys or bore our audience with with the nuances of Liz Frank injuries but essentially this was a Liz Frank that was a fracture and require surgery get a plate and a couple screws in there to stabilize that for the Raiders knew that when when they signed Jimmy Garoppolo they actually did like a press release where they they put on Twitter or they put out on their website hey we've signed Jimmy Garoppolo but there wasn't like a press conference and people were like what the heck's going on like why aren't they you know introducing Jimmy grapple formally uh through a press conference well i it recently came out that there was a clause in their agreement when they signed him that was basically like we know that you have this injury that needs surgery pending passing your physical will sign you this contract but if you fail your physical basically this contract is null and void um so from when he had surgery that's kind of up in the air the raiders announced it on march 17th if I had to guess, it was probably soon afterwards. Um, when we're talking about that type of surgery, typical return to play timelines can vary greatly. I mean, there, there's people that can take a whole calendar year to get back from that injury. I think on average, taking into the quarterback position into account, return to play timelines around 30 weeks. So if we say Jimmy Garoppolo had surgery on March 20th, um, the Raiders' first preseason game would be about 23 weeks out from that surgery. That's a pretty aggressive timeline. Um, the last preseason game would be around 25 weeks, and then week one of the actual NFL season is 27 weeks. Um, and, that, and I think that's a really aggressive timeline. Now, I think the fact that we haven't gotten word that the Raiders are moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo means he's likely past that physical and they're going to keep him. He would be at the weight bearing status right now where he's able to do some things standing up and simulate some sport specific stuff, but not fully cleared to return the sport. So I think when we take all of that into consideration, you can probably bank on Jimmy Garoppolo being available 
for most of the season. I really do feel like week one is a really aggressive timeline at 27 weeks. Um, it's a reason that depending on what type of league that you play in might not be a bad idea to take a shot on a 49ers backup or somebody that's a free agent a la Carson Wentz, just because there, there might be somebody under uh, different under setter for the Raiders in week one. Um, but I do think he should be available for the majority of the season. That's super insightful and uh, and highly detailed. Thank you so much, Adam. I, I got to ask you, so we're staring down the gun barrel of a Brian Hoyer week one in all likelihood, right? Which is concerning in general. I have to ask you, since you're a Purdue guy, uh, in super flex leagues, are you kind of stashing Aiden O'Connell, the rookie quarterback from Purdue? Because the Raiders signed him and he's third on the depth chart right now. What do you think? I mean, the if you're asking... Purdue alumni and uh, Purdue Boilermaker fan, Adam Hutchison. Heck yeah. We're, st- we're stashing Aiden O'Connell. Sure. Um, as a fantasy football, I mean, yeah, I have some shares of Aiden O'Connell. I, I mean, I, I will admit I'm very biased. I've watched every game that Aiden O'Connell's played being a, a Purdue fan. The thing that Aiden O'Connell is really good at is he can spin the ball. He can put the ball in play. And for fantasy purposes, he usually has a favorite target where he he feeds that guy the ball. He doesn't spread the ball around a lot. He likes to to feed his primary target. That happened with David Bell when David Bell was at um, Purdue. Happened with Charlie Jones this year. Charlie Jones and David Bell should send a portion of their paycheck to Aiden O'Connell because he basically got those guys drafted with the amount of targets that he fed them. So if you're a Devontae Adams guy, which I think is what most people are worrying about with Jimmy Garoppolo or whatever quarterbacks out there is, hey, is Devontae Adams going to be fantasy relevant? I think Devontae Adams is going to be fine. Aiden O'Connell can... Um, when he's given time in the pocket, he's got a strong arm. He's an accurate passer. He can he can move the ball and he can put it in different parts of the field. Um, I, I think Devontae Adams would be fine. Everyone else would probably suffer a little bit, and that offense would suffer if Aiden O'Connell was the guy. But um, I, I would think Devontae Adams would be okay. Excellent, excellent. And Jen, that's where I'm going to go to you because uh, we know that Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been uh, an elite fantasy quarterback i i don't think that even if he comes back he's going to be more than a qb2 in two quarterback leagues or a bi-week streamer type of option uh you can correct me if i'm wrong but the question i have for you is knowing everything that adam just said and the concerns about the start of the season jimmy garoppolo in general how do you feel about Devonte adams and some of those other raiders targets going into the season Devonte adams is fine i mean listen he Last year he had Derek Carr. Like that's the. I mean, I'm not saying it's the same, but he's. You're looking at another another QB two, right? And Devontae Adams, I think, was QB three in in full fantasy point or not full, but in season long fantasy points, and then QB four in fantasy points per game last season. So, uh, and that was with Derek Carr. So I think he's fine. He's not. Um, you know, his ADP. I don't know if he's still. Has he, has he made it to the second yet? Because I know people are kind of scared and people are slipping. So I don't know if he's kind of slid, slid down to the second or if he's still in the first. But he's draftable to me. I do. I will say, though, I think he's the only one. Like, I, I was excited about Jacoby Myers a little bit earlier this offseason. And I've kind of soured on that. Because I feel like between him and Renfro, I don't know. I don't know. Like, we don't know the quality of targets, right? I mean, that's a cliche expression, but it's the truth. Like, we're not exactly sure. And I feel like Adams will be fine. Those other two are a little scary. And uh, Michael Mayer, I I have no interest. I mean, in best ball, if you want to throw something at him or Scott Fishbowl or whatever. But in redraft, I definitely want nothing to do with Michael Mayer. Yeah, so... uh, I know you just asked me about Adams, but I went through all of them anyway. Look, I wanted to hear about all of them, Jed, (laughs) so that you you did exactly what I was hoping you would do in this situation, Jed. We're right here, as always. Uh, Devontae Adams, uh, according to our multi-site ADP over at 444.com, going eighth overall right now, so still back in the first round. Still a player you have to pay up to get. Uh, Very interesting. Jay Lizard popped in. uh, Go Boilers! So you might have a fellow Purdue fan there, Adam. Uh, and Trixby Productions wants to know what some trade advice I think we could probably help them out with. Uh, trades Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, Devontae Smith, gets Raheem Moster and Amon Ra St. Brown. So I'm going to start with you, Adam. Uh, what, what do you think of that trade? That is a toughie. Um, 
You know, I think we can all agree the best asset in this is is Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, he, he, he's the best player. I don't know. You know, I've gone back and forth with Devonta Smith. I, I kind of always thought of him as option two in that Philadelphia offense. And when I sat down this offseason and looked at the numbers, I mean, the difference between him and A.J. Brown was not that astounding. Not huge. Um, Yeah, it, it really wasn't. I am an Antonio Gibson guy, so I really like Antonio Gibson, even though for whatever reason, Ron Rivera does. And I'm excited about Cam Akers. Um, there was a lot of different things, not even injury related. Obviously, the Achilles tear was the big one, but he seemed to be dealing with some issues with the team. He, he, you know, they were going to release him or trade him, and he came back, and then he finished the season kind of strong. So I think those two running backs push me over a little bit because it's not enough. It's a not enough of a jump for me from Devonta Smith to Monroe St. Brown personally. All right, so Adam says stick with your two running backs, Devontae Smith. Uh, Jen, do you have a counterpoint? Do you probably know what my counterpoint? It's not really a counterpoint. I agree with Adam. I just don't, you know, I'm not an Acres gal, but I love Gibson, and I think I think that the difference between Amon Ra and Devonta Smith is not that much. So that you have to, when you take the other two guys, you've got you know a starting a starting running back, whether I like him or not, he is the starter for the Rams. Um, and I think Gibson's, you know, like I've said on this podcast a lot, I think Gibson is going to be a lot better with the enemy there. So for me, it's a no brainer, especially if Dalvin cook ends up signing, uh, then it's a no brainer to just, uh, keep your guys. Yeah. And, uh, I wish I had a, a different opinion here. I like Cam <laughs> more than Jen does. Uh, so I'm even more in that direction. I think that the difference between Devonte Smith and Amon Ross, Brown isn't enough to give up those two running backs. So uh, I think all three of us thumbs down on that trade tricks me, but thank you very much for the question. Uh, Adam, let's go over, uh, you know, we talked about Jimmy G in uh, Las Vegas. Let's talk about the guy who replaced him in San Francisco, Brock Purdy uh, coming in. He had that arm injury in the playoffs, which was uh, made that playoff game. Very disappointing. I'm just going to be honest with you uh, coming in. Reports vary on his status. What's your take on Brock Purdy heading into 2023? Yeah, so Brock Purdy, when we talked about return to playing timelines, um, he's another one. He so we we did get documented timeline of when his surgery was. The surgery was on March 10th. Um, return to play timeline based on the surgery they had specifically for that elbow around six months. Again, this is another one that's going to be cutting it very close to the start of the season. Um, I will give a shout out to fellow physical therapist and, and friend of mine on Twitter, Jeff Mueller at at GM at JM Thrive PT. He's a 49ers diehard. He's been following this very closely, literally every single week, giving updates on like the Brock Purdy scenario of being ahead of schedule, behind schedule, where he's at. And through the entire time, Jeff has been consistent that Brock Purdy is actually a little bit ahead of schedule and that week one is very realistic, which we talked about the six month return to play timeline from when he had surgery and th those things align. So I think that if he's a little bit ahead of schedule, um, I wouldn't be shocked not to see him at the start of training camp. So 49ers uh, training camp, I looked this up before we started here, is next week or very close, uh, July 27th. Um, I would not expect him to be ready for the start of that, but towards the back end of that, I think is very realistic. We obviously would want to see him in training camp or potentially maybe in a preseason game, taking a couple snaps to feel really, really good about week one. Um, I think because that timeline is so close, that's why the 49ers brought in Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, very kind of similar build and operator as a quarterback to Brock Purdy. I think that's the direction that the offense wants to go. I mean, we, we could have a whole separate show about Brock Purdy versus Trey Lance. Um, but I, but I know we got other players to get, to go to. So I think that's probably why Sam Darnold was brought in is because it is going to be a very, very tight timeline, but, um, if Jeff's high on him and the way that he's been following his progression, I'm high on him, I guess as a sidebar too. I mean, Brock Purdy is a quarterback I drafted in Scott Fishbowl because I think he will be ready for majority of the season if he's not ready for week one. So uh, put a little bit of stakes behind the take there, Adam. Yeah, Actually yeah. drafted Brock Purdy in Scott Fishbowl. Uh, I have a question for you, Jed, and this is something I didn't tell you I was going to ask you, but I'm Great. curious. So people love Trey Lance, and I get it. I don't really have a dog Do in this fight. I, I, I feel like there's a subsect of Twitter okay. that thinks it's insane that the 49ers are considering not starting Trey Lance. I, I feel like, and I'm wondering, I have two questions. Number one, so I don't have a dog in this fight, right? Um, I, I watched 
I thought Brock Purdy looked really good. I thought his read progressions were advanced for his uh, status in the league as a rookie. I thought his processing time was exceptional. And I thought those were the types of things that can really make you succeed, especially Kyle Shannon offense. So makes sense. He was really good. Uh, and so I thought, of course, he's the starter if he comes back healthy. Uh, Twitter seems to hate this take. And I'm wondering, Jet, do you think that Twitter hates this take because everyone on Twitter who hates the take has Trey Lance in a dynasty league? Probably, yeah. I mean, it's there's no, be that, right? There's no, yeah, there's no other reason for it. I don't know. I mean, you don't know. I mean, like Adam said, we might see Trey Lance in Las Vegas by, you know, by, by, by preseason week two or whatever. So, um, it, if they're not going to start him, it doesn't make sense for San Francisco to hang on to him, especially if they have Darnold. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly no, no expert in the, uh, the front office thing, but, um, yes, I think that, uh, that has to be the reason. Cause we haven't really, I don't know. We haven't seen enough. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Right. Like he could know. be great, but the, the truth is he hasn't shown it yet. So I don't know. They, I, it didn't shock me at all when, when the, when John Lynch came out and basically said Brock Purdy, if he's healthy, he's our starter. Like that didn't yeah, surprise so, me. So, I mean, they've seen enough to think that he's not great, but not, but they haven't traded him. So he's not, not that great, but yet, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's just not great enough to be there, but not, yeah, whatever. So yeah, I hope they trade him to the Bucks and he gets to kind of fight for something at the Bucks. That's what I, that's what I want. I want. Trey I don't Lance think it's that hard of a fight there. I mean, let's yeah. be realistic. You're <laughs> right? looking at Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Like I feel like one of us could walk in there. No, I'm totally kidding. Can I make that happen? <laughs> I Can am I absolutely make kidding. Do not come after me. I know that I cannot play. <laughs> it's very difficult to get to the level. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> can I? Can I make? I, I I think I should be have the power. Like when I come to power, when I seize power, okay. I'm gonna make Trey Lance a buck. That's right. that's the first Go order business. I'm gonna like run it. on that. Yeah, Emperor yeah. Brandon makes Trey Lance <laughs> a buck. That's the way it goes. Uh, Jen, the other question I have for yeah. you, uh, you know, assuming Brock Purdy is ready to go and, and comes in and starts week one, uh, how do you feel about all those weapons? Right, you've got uh, Kittle there, who was a lot of dominant. weapons with Purdy, right? McCaffrey, who was dominant with Purdy, Samuel, who didn't play much with Purdy and, and Ayuk. Are you buying all those guys at cost or uh, I know you're feeling about Kittle, but the rest of them, are you buying them at cost? I am. I mean, as J as Jay Lizard says, they, they have so much talent and, and, you know, and, and questionable quarterback, but yeah, I mean, why not? Right. Last year, it just seems like every year now, granted, there was a little bit of dip last year for Debo because, you know, McCaffrey came over and all of that, but I feel like every year we're expecting them to not, be good and not produce. Everyone's always like, oh, well, Kittle and 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 Ayuk and and their quarterback situation, you know, is not ideal, but yet they still were able to perform last year too. So um I don't think they're too expensive to to turn me off of them. Kittle's a little pricey for me in the tight end department just because I don't like to really pay up for tight ends. So uh but I do feel like we you know he there's definitely a path for him to produce at his ADP. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I I keep drafting 49ers and that for the better or worse. I keep right, and then you, 49ers. I mean, you all don't you can't forget you have a you know Elijah Mitchell still, and then we also have even when you get to best ball to the end, you got Juwan Jennings and some of those guys. Like, why not? Uh, Gent, so uh, Brock Purdy probably not on QB like one quarterback redraft league uh, radars, right? No. So okay, uh, are you drafting him in best ball? I have. He's still relatively cheap. I mean, even I will say I, I write the uh, the risers and fallers article every two weeks uh, based on underdog ADP, um, and I had one that came out today. Brock Purdy was the number one uh, riser of of any position actually for like six weeks straight, and then this uh, this iteration that came out this morning, he was overtaken uh, by Kyler Murray. So uh, he's he's his, his rise is slowing down a little bit, but he's still cheap even with the rise. So. You know, if indeed, like we've said, he is ready for week one, you're getting a starter really late in uh, in the game or in the draft. Excellent. I like this. I like this. Let's move to one more quarterback, Adam. I want to ask you about Matthew Stafford. Uh, disappointing season all around for the Rams. If you have anything on Cooper Cup, feel free to bring up Cooper Cup as well here. But Matthew Stafford comes in uh, to this season kind of on the back end of his career, pretty much a lost year in 2022. How are you looking at that Rams offense? Yeah, I mean... <sighs> It, hindsight's 2020 obviously but um i i was pretty down on matt stafford and and john paulson and i had some conversations about him last year when when the elbow thing spiked up i thought it was something that he could play through but um when we kept seeing those reports 
during training camp and during the preseason that he was dealing with some elbow issues. And I, I figured it was going to be something that um, he had to deal with all season was probably going to linger all season to what degree that was going to affect fantasy production. I mean, Cooper cup was, was on fire until he, he got hurt. And we'll, we'll talk about his injury here in a, in a little bit. But um, when you look at Matthew Stafford dealing with the elbow injury, you know, I, I think you can equate a lot of these things to, to that elbow. So when, you know, comparing a three-year sample between 2020, 2021, and 2022, yards per attempt was down. Deep ball accuracy rating was down. Deep ball attempts way down, nearly half of what it was the year prior, um, despite being pressured on or around the same amount of throw. So it wasn't like the offensive line was significantly worse and he was getting pressured a, a lot more. Um I think all those things, when you talk about a quarterback and throwing mechanics, you can attribute attribute that to to the elbow. Um, I do think a bounce back is is in store. You know, this is the similar type of thing that we saw with Ben Roethlisberger on the tail end of his career, where he, I mean, he just completely fell off a cliff after after his elbow injury. Um, I had to look it up because I didn't know off the top of my head too. I mean, there there's a significant gap between when that happened with Ben Roethlisberger and Matthew Stafford. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Matthew Stafford's only 34 years old. When that happened to Ben Roethlisberger, he was you know in his 30 age 39 season. So um, wow. Matthew Stafford still has some some tread on the tires. I think that that was super surprising to me when I looked it up. I think he could have another season or two in store, depending if his body holds up. Um, and, and, and the Rams still still want him. Um, so assuming that the elbow is healthy, which I haven't seen anything this offseason to indicate that it, it wouldn't be um, right, um, I think Matthew Stafford kind of has a bounce-back season this year. I love this. I love this. I'm excited. This Rams offense is hard to peg. Uh, Jen, QB 20 in ADP right now. Matthew Stafford, really cheap. Uh, are you interested, Matthew Stafford? You know, I'm glad you finally brought out one of my – uh, alumni uh, players yeah. up in this podcast. It was all about Adam and Purdue for the first like <laughs> 20 minutes. Finally bring some, some Georgia bulldog in the mix. There's plenty to choose from, uh, but no, I, uh, Matthew Stafford, I just drafted him in Scott fishbowl while we're talking about that earlier. But so, yeah, I mean, I think that what, what key, where did you say QB 23? 20? QB 20 right now. He's available in the late 14th round, according to our multi-site ADP at 4. Yeah, I think that's about right. I think he's a QB two. I can't imagine that much of a bounce back, but he does have Cooper Cup, him and Van Jefferson. Uh, I don't think they're having breakfast, but I think that they're uh, bonding uh, this offseason, at least that, that I've seen. And he's healthy again, too, which helps. And, uh, you know, you've got Higby, who's Higby. But I think in at the end, I think the Rams, the whole offense is going to take a, a step forward. But I wouldn't get, like I said, too excited. QB2 sounds about right. I like yeah. that. And, and I'll circle up because I know we talked about Cooper Cup in re- relation to Matthew Stafford because they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, I really don't have any worries about Cooper Cup. I'll be brief about this. I don't have any worries about him uh, this season. The high ankle sprain, I mean, that just totally derailed his season. Um, I don't have any data points to suggest that should be a lingering thing heading into the next season or that it significantly um, negatively impacts performance. It, his ceiling is really going to be tied to Matthew Stafford because um, obviously Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup have had an amazing connection. And I think Matthew Stafford keeps that offense moving, uh, converting third down, scoring touchdowns, which will help Cooper Cup ceiling. Um, so it's a little bit tied to Matthew Stafford, but just Cooper Cup uh, by, by himself, um, I'm, I'm really not worried. Do you think, uh, I obviously this is all speculation, right? But do you think if it hadn't been a lost season for the Rams, we would have seen Cooper Cup later, like in the playoffs, if the Rams had made the playoffs or anything like that? Yeah, I think it would have been tight. I mean, he he got that tightrope procedure, which which Tua had in college and made famous uh, while, while I was at Alabama because he was able to come back so so quickly. I mean, if he if if Cooper Cup had a bad enough high ankle sprain that it required surgery, I think that timeline was tight, and his, his performance was. You probably would be getting like. I mean, these numbers are arbitrary. You probably would have given him like 75% of Cooper Cup, which for sure. Cooper Cup is still amazing in, in the NFL. I mean, he's, he's such a good wide receiver. Um, I think that had to do some some with it, though. I mean, their season was so far gone. It was like, why why even put this out there? Let's just completely shut him down and, and regroup for next year. 
Sure. Uh, Jay Lizard in the chat talks about how much they like Van Jefferson. I'm right with you there. I'm drafted Van Jefferson late. I'm enjoying that uh, tremendously. Mr. Scampers agrees, uh, has no problems with Cooper Cup. It sounds like uh, absolutely phenomenal. This Rams offense is going to be interesting to watch this year. I'm very interested to see how it goes after a lost 2022 season. Adam, let's shift to some running backs. I think uh, the main running back most people are asking questions about, there's there's two really main ones, but one especially, uh, Brees Hall had that promising start to his rookie season, devastating injury, end of this season, comes back this year with an upgraded quarterback in this Jets offense. What do you think of Brees Hall coming back? So um, I'll have a little bit more in-depth take on this as well uh, at 4 for 4. I'm dropping some injury profiles. We just did one. You know, I'm, I'm going to do a little plug for the website. I'm a, I'm a company man over here too. Uh, I, d- I did one for Rashad Bateman, got one for coming out for J.K. Dobbins, but then Brees Hall will be shortly thereafter. I'm just finishing up. You know, I've gone – I've gone back and forth with Brees Hall because I I really liked Brees Hall. Um, When we talk about running backs coming off of ACL tears, a lot of what's baked into them um, returning to form even the year after an ACL is if they're a young player, which Brees Hall is. He's, you know, 22 years old. Um, Do they have substantial draft capital to basically reinforce the team's investment in him? Brees Hall does. Jets used uh, a day two pick on him. Um, so I think the bounce back for Brees Hall is, is there where I get nervous is when we look at running backs coming off of ACL tear the year, um, they the year before and the first year after they come off an ACL tear, I'm going to rattle off a couple stats here. It's, you know, attempts per game drops by 15% yards per game drops by 20%. Um, Fantasy points per game drops by 20%. I mean, those are pretty substantial numbers that basically point to, hey, this player is not as good as they were to their their pre-injury level, which is what we'd expect. For whatever reason, looking at some of this stuff, when we're looking at target share and receptions the year after, um, those tend to not be heavily impacted. And I don't have a great idea yet for why that is if i had to theorize my guess is that if you have a really good player and you want to get him involved in the offense the route tree for a running back in the passing game is not as sophisticated for as it would be for necessarily a wide receiver and a little less wear and tear um and less impactful than the running game so we can get him involved in some some targets um and a player like Brees Hall that's shown that in college and also shown that in a small sample size in the NFL I think that can kind of buoy his fantasy football total now you bring in Aaron Rodgers who I mean has really raised the floor of Aaron Jones in Green Bay all those seasons involving him in the passing game as as well Brees Hall starts to look like a, an interesting fantasy football prospect. Now that I, I said all that, I'm you know I looked at his ADP today, and it, it's continuing to creep up, and it's getting to a place where I'm a little bit uncomfortable drafting him. Um, I don't. I I just looked it up. I don't have it off the top of my head right in front of me, but I want to say we're getting like middle second round at at some point. I might be off on there. That that starts to make me a little bit nervous. I, I I think you're drafting Brees Hall essentially at his ceiling based on all those metrics I talked about how they're negatively impacted in, in the running game. That um, I start to come off of Brees Hall a little bit at that value. Excellent. You know, it's uh, it, it's always interesting those guys coming off such devastating knee injuries. We saw, like you mentioned, you talked about like J.K. Dobbins and things like that. We've seen some players struggle to come back. Jen, I'm curious with the question marks around Brees Hall. Even though we do like him and we hope for him, are you drafting any of those other giant, uh, any of those other Jets running backs that are in that backfield? Michael Carter is actually a pretty good value right now. I mean, you have to think. I mean, you know, a backup running back in any team is, is has value in, in best ball and, and, and you know, on, on people's benches, depending on how big they are. But Michael Carter right now, four for four, again, half PPR format. He's running back 43, I think, 40, 47, I'm sorry. And then his ADP on our multi-ADP site is uh, 63. So, I mean, it seems like, at least according to John's projections, that uh, Michael Carter is a, a, is a pretty big value right now. So um, he's not someone that I'm less necessarily targeting per se, but I'm not opposed to drafting him because at that point when you're, when you know, when the, when you're in the RB four to five section of, of your draft and, and there's all those names there, like why not throw a dart at him? Because you never know what can happen. And I understand they have, they have the rookie there as well, but I feel like, you know, they drafted him for a reason and, uh, I think we'll get to at least see what he can do this year at, you know, at, at varying points. 
And I might be sneaking some Israel about a Conde on my my rosters, my best ball, uh, end of my best, just because I like that kid mm-hmm. coming out. He probably won't see it down, but you know. <laughs> no, I'm I'm sure they're gonna want to see what they got in him at some point. But he's he's someone that probably will be a waiver guy later in the season. You know, he may come on at the end. We'll see. I love that Zonovan Knight was a guy who like won me a matchup last week or yeah. last year. I love it. it <laughs> let's hit up another running back. Uh, Adam, let's go to Javante Williams, the super talented entering his third year running back in Denver uh, early season injury. So I think there's hope for him, but obviously we have conflicting reports about his status. How do you feel about Javante Williams and the status of the Denver running game? Yeah. So, and I, I, uh, I wrote about Javante Williams too, a little bit this off season, and he's somebody that I'm definitely more bearish on than, than Brees Hall. So the fact that I'm starting to get a little bit of nerve, get a little nervous about Brees Hall should tell you where I'm at with, with, with Javante Williams. You know, there's with, with his specific injury, there's a lot of variance, um, with ACL tears. I mean, I, I think we could all infer that not, not all injuries are alike with, with Javante Williams, what he had in, um, with it, with his injury, looking at some of the averages and return in terms of return to play timeline, um, Javante Williams compared to someone like Brees Hall that had just more of a, a clean, uh, ACL tear, um, Javante Williams sample takes about a hundred days longer to return to play. So um, we're substantially increasing his his return to play timeline. Something that um, is, it's drawing a lot of correlations to the JK Dobbins injury um, from, from last year. The difference is I don't think you can make that one-to-one comparison. JK Dobbins had a lot of issues last off season that were pointing to that. This was going to be kind of a rocky road for Javante Williams. It's been relatively smooth sailing and we're starting to see, a lot of reports that he says he's going to be ready for the season. Now, obviously you can, you can take that for a grain of salt, but um, that he's on schedule or even a little bit ahead of schedule. Some of those things that we're, we're seeing with Javante that we weren't seeing with JK Dobbins, even taking that into account. Um, this is something I talked about w- with John Dangle a couple weeks ago on his show. Like when we talked about Javante Williams, his ADP was at like the 100, 110 mark when we were looking at 4 for 4's multi-site um, ADP. It's in the 90s right now. And I talked about on that show when you were going to start to get more and more positive news about Javante Williams, I could see that creeping up into the 80s. And when it gets to the 80s, I, I'm completely out. When we, it's just a much riskier injury and some that might take a little bit longer to return. So even if he does come back before J.K. Dobbins did, um, I think there's a risk of some setback or some type of lower body injury that that could be related to that when, when we just look at the player's um that have dealt with the type of injury that Javante Williams has had. So um, we're getting to that point. We're getting to that point where, where, where I'm getting a little bit nervous. I think if you're a risk taker, 90s in, in terms of ADP is okay, but when we get to the 80s is, is when I'm going to be out. It's interesting. One thing the multi-site tool over at 444.com lets you do is see the difference uh, from the different sites that are out there. And those redraft, uh, primarily redraft sites, he's going in the 90s where you're talking about where it's value. Those best ball leagues, he's going 60s and 70s. In best ball, are you taking that plunge, Adam? Uh, no. No, no. no. <laughs> I, I would I would much rather hedge and get, get some Samaj AP Ryan a couple rounds later um, just based on the data that I have. Sure, absolutely. And Jen, you know, they're going about a round apart right now. Javante Williams Acostia about a round higher. Uh, you know, they're going seven, eight, nine round, depending on which site you're going to. Uh Samaj P. Ryan about a round later. Are you buying Samaj P. Ryan? I sure am. I have been all summer. Um, it's a bummer though that he's uh that he's that they're that close in ADP. I feel expensive. like I mean an underdog. I feel like I have, didn't look at the multi-site, but I feel like you know, people that are just kind of returning to redraft, for, you know, from the off season. I don't know if they're going to know to draft some AJP Ryan. Maybe they will. Um, it may take a while for it to catch up when the when the normies come back and start drafting, and it's not us crazy people <laughs> in all the in all the drafts. But uh, you know, for me personally, I I live in Denver, so my home league, there's zero chance that I'm going to be able to get any any of those Broncos at value because everybody kind of knows what going what's going on but yes um the only the only issue here is if dalvin cook ends up in denver which is you know a minor rumor of course there's there's a million of them so um chances are slim however you know it kind of would make sense if javante is not 
uh, where they want him to be. But I like it. I think that, you know, Sean Payton kind of has a history of, of not having a lead back. So it, it's kind of all, it's kind of take, take the cheapest for me. Yeah, it's possible. Both will have value. So yeah, take the cheapest. Absolutely. So, uh, Adam, so I want to go to a player right now. Like if I were a movie star, it would be for being in the movie Brokeback Mountain, looking at Rashad Bateman saying, I wish I could quit you. <laughs> I just can't quit Rashad Bateman. Man. I even said this season. Thank I was you like, for I'm the not visual, Brandon. Right? Thank it's you. perfect. Yeah. Appreciate I, the visual. I, I said this season, I'm not going to buy into any Baltimore receiver. I said it. I said it multiple times, and I keep drafting Rashad Bateman again. I don't know what's wrong with me. Adam, tell me I'm not making the biggest mistake of my life for the third year in a row. I will say when you when you started that that little segue there the the reaction on Jen's face like the the multi phases she was going through as she was processing that was was well worth it so <laughs> I, I I appreciate it. I like um, to take Jen for rides. That's yeah, what I like yeah, no, that that was that was fun for me to just watch, sit back and watch that here. Um, the I and. I just, I literally just wrote about Rashad Bateman. So if you guys are listening to the show, make sure you head over to four for four. Cause I break this down a little bit more in depth there as well. If you're, if you're interested in, in some Rashad Bateman, um, I think we look at him, you know, his injury history, his rookie year is basically a wash the injury that he had, um, with the surgery, it was always going to be tough for him to come back. Um, I told people that it was going to be a tough rookie season for Rashad Bateman. So I, I think we pretty much just th- throw that out the window. It was basically last season that we're talking about with the foot injury. Another Liz Frank. Um, this one, this one's going to be a little tough. I mean, for when we look at Rashad Bateman, I basically took hit, you know, what's the probability that an NFL wide receiver plays a full season based on and weighed that with players that come back from a Liz Frank injury and then weighted that into players that, you know, have been around for at least 50% of the games that they played. And we basically got a percentage here that showed around a 12% chance that Rashad Bateman plays a full season, which sounds really, really low. But when you take into account that like the average NFL wide receiver only has about a 10 and a half percent chance to play full season, it's not that, it's not that low. It, it's hard for, for, for people to be available for all, the whole season. You know, things happen, you get nicked up, you miss a game here and there. When we look at his chance to play at least 12 games. So 12 games is a nice threshold because to be a top 24 wide receiver, um, on average, those guys play 12 games he has around a 72% chance, which is kind of low. And that's the uh, games that he played played last year. I think where he's at in terms of ADP right now is a good spot because he can he, he's not going to hurt you if you draft him. It depends on your build. If you go with a really heavy RB build, I don't think I'd be relying on Rashad Bateman as my third wide receiver because you don't know what games he's going to be available. But when he's out there with this Ravens offense, everyone's excited about Todd Munkin coming over. Shout out to Jen again and a Georgia, Georgia alum out there. We'll get two and four since we talked a lot of, a lot about the Purdue guys. Um, I think there's some excitement about the Ravens just being a more pass heavy team. And you can say what you want about some of the players that they brought in. Zay Flowers is a rookie. Odell Beckham jr. Is, you know, no spring chicken. It, in theory, it sh- Rashad Bateman should be the guy. He, he's been there w- with, with um, Lamar for, for multiple seasons now. I think what you get worried about, though, is we talked about his probability of playing all those games. I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that at some point, based on the numbers that he's going to miss time, you worry about does someone steal his role? Does If he misses a week or two, does Zay Flowers step in that role and now Rashad Bateman's third fiddle in that offense? Or does Odell Beckham Jr. become the guy in, in that time? So that's, that's the risk. Um, but if you're doing a wide receiver heavy build and you start off, you know, three or first five picks are wide receivers and you're sitting in the later rounds and Rashad Bateman's there, heck yeah, he's worth a dart throw. I think he could, you know, not be a league winner, but definitely give you some pop in your lineup. Yeah, available wide receiver 54 right now being drafted. I think that's why I'm back in is that he's so cheap right now. Uh, Jay Wizard asks about Devin DuVernay. I think he's just going to be the return specialist this year. I think that's kind of his thing. Uh, Jen, are you interested in, in DuVernay or any other pass catcher outside of those top three as like a, a, you know, a shot in the dark late round stab? I am not. Uh, no. In fact, yeah, I was actually surprised where you and I are in a, in a league. I guess it's now a real league. It started as a mock, but I don't know whatever happened with that. We'll league. see what happened. Whatever. <laughs> but either way, I saw you draft 
Bateman. And I was like, I thought we've talked about this, Brandon. I, I don't know what it's like. It's uh, like yeah. an impulse. I can't stop. I don't know what, you know, no, I'll, I will draft Lamar. Uh, that's about it for me. I'm too scared. I've got a little bit of Zay flowers here and there in best ball. I'm not going to lie and say I don't, but, um, and, and listen, I, I obviously like the Todd Munkin move, even though I wish he was still at Georgia, but, and I think he will uh, make it a little more pass happy and a little more exciting of an offense. However, uh, uh, until I see it, I, I don't want to invest too heavily in any of those pass catchers. Sure, I get that. Uh, Adam, real quick, you talked about J.K. Dobbins briefly. Um, He's healthy right now. Saw a different Dobbins at the end of last year than we did at the beginning of last year. Are you taking him at cost? He's the RB18 going in the late fourth round right now. I am. Um, I think his ceiling is a little bit capped um, just because – where where we where we have him at four for four ranked and where he's at with with his ADP his ADP is also another one that's been climbing a little bit um I think because people are reminded like you you pointed out Brandon he had such a strong finish to end the season and um, people are st- starting to remember that um I don't think the ceiling is there but he's certainly a nice RB two I mean you could do much worse than than J.K. Dobbins um. And whether the Ravens offense is more pass heavy or more run heavy, I I think we can all agree with Lamar. Um, They're going to be an offense that's going to move the ball and scoring points and scoring touchdowns gives us that, that spike week. Um, Besides Gus Edwards, I mean, the the Ravens again have not added really anyone of substance to that backfield. So um, I do, I, I, I like JK Dobbins. I've taken a decent amount of JK Dobbins in some drafts. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So there's a few more guys I want to talk about. We're running a little bit low on time because uh, we always run low on time because I love our guests and I always get chatty. So uh, let's do some quick hits here, Adam. Uh, First guy I want to bring up real quick, uh, Kyle Pitts. Season ended prematurely. Wasn't really being used before that. Uh, From a health perspective, do you have concerns about Kyle Pitts? No health concerns. MCL sprain. Tough one to kind of come back in season. Um, similar one to Cooper cup where the Falcons weren't very good. So there was really no incentive to, to bring Kyle Pitts back. Um, not worried about him this year though. Yeah. Jed and I have talked a lot about, uh, the discrepancy between his best ball ADP, which is like sixth round and his, uh, redraft mock draft ADP right now, which is like 11th round, which makes a lot more sense. Uh, Jen, do you have Arthur Smith concerns about Kyle Pitts? <laughs> yeah, I do. You know, I do. Yeah. I'll take him if he falls, but I'd rather just punt tight end and, and get someone else there that I, I feel a little bit more confident in. I think Pitts is going to be fine. I'm not anti Pitts in general. I'm just, I'm concerned about his usage. I'm certainly not concerned about his talent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do another tight end real quick. Uh, Zach Ertz getting up there in age uh, was really good though for Arizona while he played. Obviously we have some quarterback questions in Arizona, but from a health perspective, do you have any concerns about Ertz coming back strong this season? I think like a health perspective and a little bit of an age perspective bakes baked in with like all the things that go into being an NFL tight end. It's not just receiving. You got to do a lot of, a lot of blocking work, whether Zach Ertz is heavily involved in the blocking game. You know, you can, you can debate that. Um, You know, his main issue honestly is he's 32 years old on a bad team on potentially a bad offense with a QB that's coming off of a major injury himself and Kyler Murray with the, with the ACL. I mean, I, I just don't know how much Zach Ertz has left in the tank. Um, so that's, could he do it? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. But um, based on all that stuff, I'm, I'm tending to bet against him. That makes sense to me. Jen, are you hedging a little and sprinkling in some Trey McBride? Yeah, I'm definitely doing some Trey McBride. I have zero Ertz. I probably will not draft him. I just don't. Yeah, it doesn't appeal to me. I just feel like there's better options there. And I'd rather throw a dart at McKitty. I'm not McKitty. I got the Georgia (laughs) on the brain. Uh, Trey McBride uh, in the last round. I loved Trey McKitty. I thought he would be. I thought he'd just, and he might still, he was, he came into the draft as like, as a project. So where is, where is he? Do we know? I know he went to camp with the chargers, but I think he's been bouncing around off the practice squad and off waivers and things of that sort. So, um, Jay Lizard wants to know if Keontae Ingram is worth drafting from Arizona right now, uh, because James Conner can't do it alone. Uh, Jen, your thoughts on Keontae Ingram in Arizona? Uh, yes. Yeah. I'll draft him late for sure. I mean, he's not someone that you're going to draft and redraft. Uh, he may be a waiver wire guy later on the season if he gets some run, but yeah, I mean, Connor, I would love to think Connor can do it alone because Connor is 
uh, extremely cheap based on his potential workload as you know a team's RB one, especially if they don't have a good quarterback to start the season. I don't know what's gonna you know, but I do feel like, um, yeah, I like Ingram at at cost. Yeah. Sure. Staring down the gun barrel of Colt McCoy right now. We'll see yeah. what happens there in Arizona. Uh, Adam, one more guy, and then I'll uh, I'll let you go. Uh, Tony Pollard, injury late in the season. I mean, it seems like he's okay, but should we be concerned given the fact that he looks like he's going to be the lead back for the first time in his career? Should we be concerned? No, I don't think so. And I don't think Dallas is really all that concerned. They let Zeke walk. Um, there's nothing that I have in terms of his injury carrying over to to the next year that should be a major issue. And and Dallas kind of re- reinforced that. Um, so I, I think it's wheels up for Tony Pollard this year. I think Dallas is going to use him a ton. Excellent, excellent. Uh, anyone that I didn't bring up, and uh, Mr. Scampers says that Trey McKitty is still with the Chargers. Thank you, Mr. Scampers. Very much appreciate that. We'll hope that we see Trey McKitty uh, emerge and develop with the talent that that, that he has, our uh, Georgia alumni. So I'm curious, uh, Adam, anybody that you wanted to talk about that I didn't get to today? Um, I think the only one, we, we hinted at it a little bit when we were talking about Zach Ertz. Kyler Murray is becoming really interesting. I think... Um, He's another one that I talked about just from a pure health perspective, like week one was well in play. And I think a lot of people thought, um, oh, Kyler's going to miss the, the majority of the season. But I mean, when, when you look at the return to play timeline and some of the differences with quarterback return to play timeline versus skill position players, um, I think week one was in play. Um, it, it was always the kind of game theory aspect of Arizona if they thought that they would have enough to play for to to basically start Kyler Murray but I mean if you're Kyler Murray I think you want to play because he's certainly probably heard the rumblings that Arizona might be looking towards the future so if you're not with Arizona you want to be auditioning for for another team coming off an ACL tear I mean we, we see this with these mobile quarterbacks that sustain a lower body injury those rushing attempts do drop there's evidence for that um so Kyler Murray's rushing upside, maybe not there for people that are worried about rushing quarterbacks and, you know, getting hit and getting hurt Um, with Kyler Murray coming off an ACL injury. I will say I've looked a lot at rushing quarterbacks and it might be his baseball background. It might just be, he's really smart. Kyler Murray does not take a lot of hits when he, when he, when he rushes, he either is quick to slide or get out of bounds. Um, So I like that for just his longevity this season um but he's a player that's creeping up now that we're getting some positive reports on him and i I think it's justified he's he's uh when he's right he he definitely can provide some of those spike weeks at the quarterback position excellent excellent and thank you i should have asked about kyler murray that was a failure on my part i appreciate you looking out for me adam uh thank you so much again for joining us listeners should read everything adam puts out on four for four Definitely follow Adam on Twitter at the real Adam underscore H. Uh, any final thoughts or plugs before we go, Adam? Nope. I just want to thank uh, you and Jen again for having me. I always enjoy coming on the show with you guys. Um, make sure listeners out there are heading over to four for four.com. I'm going to have a lot more uh, content going up on the website as we get closer to the season, some injury profiles, some players that I'm maybe uh, targeting or avoiding based on injury history. And then when the season starts, we'll have that weekly injury room uh, article out there for people to check out when they're doing their waiver wire claims. Excellent. One of the best weekly articles to bookmark and make sure you refer to back to. Uh, Thanks, Jen. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Thanks for joining us in the chat. Thanks for joining us to chat today. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at JenkinsNFL and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for checking us out and have a good day. 